Coming up on MTSU Out of the Blue, we explore the challenges posed by an aging population. We learn about research into the local technology workforce, and we take a look at the progressive side of country music. I'm Andrew Oppman, and this is Out of the Blue. The Positive Aging Consortium at Middle Tennessee State University is an interdisciplinary program of research and education with a focus on the aging and the elderly. Here to tell us more about this are Deborah Lee, the NHC Chair of Excellence in Nursing, and Rana Day, a Professor of Sociology in our College of Liberal Arts. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So this is a growing demographic, and obviously it's deserving of study, but let's describe how it's growing. Why is this a concern? Well, it's really quite compelling if we look at the data, if we start with just looking at the United States. By 2040, 20% of the population in the United States is gonna be 65 and over. It's even more uh, compelling for us in Tennessee because by 2030, we are gonna be at 20% of our population is gonna be 65 and older. And we also know that about 40% of people 65 and over have four or more chronic health conditions. Rutherford County is also seeing this big rise. So right now we have about 36,600 residents who are 65 and older. By 2030, we're gonna have a 59% increase up to 58,000. So it absolutely is worthy of more study and more attention given what we know is coming demographically. Because there's so many resources that have to be configured and focused to serve that population as it grows. And I suppose that's one of the reasons why MTSU has always had at least since the 70s, a, a minor in aging studies. So Ron, talk to me about what we offer our students and how they can explore this topic academically. Uh, yes, in the middle 70s, we got a federal grant to start this initiative for training students to work with the older population, and we can kind of continue that program over, over the years, of course, and it's changed and evolved, and, and we have an interdisciplinary minor that includes a, a variety of departments that participate with, with students who oftentimes conduct internships uh, and work with the community uh, as they learn their, their trade and that sort of thing. And we also have a graduate certificate for, for professionals that are maybe in, in place in a job that want to come back and get, it, get uh, more precise training in this particular area. So give me an example of some of the types of majors that might be pursuing this as a minor to help attach to their, their curriculum. We have minors that come from uh, Many of the so, social and behavioral science areas, uh, of course, social work, uh, sociology, human sciences, uh, recreation, mm -hmm. uh, recreation and leisure is going to be a big thing coming in the future, and, and nursing. And of course, we have faculty, of course, that represent those areas as well. And that's what we're trying to do, I think, with that consortium is bring our faculty and kind of students together to work in this initiative. See, I, I love it when we hear examples of this because it's an example of how we're talking about the College of Liberal Arts but we're also talking about the College of Behavioral and Health Sciences. We're talking about a lot of different programs that are based in other colleges that are coming together. Those students looking at this as, yeah, I wanna add this minor. But it also speaks to the need for your alliance, so to speak, all the folks coming together from different colleges and departments so that they can be connected through the common cause of researching aging, correct? Right, correct, and, and it's been really, it was really exciting. We had our first consortium meeting in April, and we had the College of Behavioral and Health Sciences well represented, as you can imagine. Um, we have people from food and nutrition science, nursing, exercise science, 
um, family and child development, uh, speech language pathology and audiology, et cetera. And then we have you know, a, a wonderful, strong relationship with sociology who is really well housed in this. We have psychology well represented. Mm -hmm. And through your program, I found Dr. Keith Gamble who talks and his research is around um, looking at decision making with finances in older adults. So it was really exciting to bring him into the fold too and he's been a wonderful participant in this work as well. So it's been wonderful to, to hear all the different areas of expertise our faculty have and to bring them together so they can start to see some possibilities for bringing um, some of their research or some of the courses that they teach and bring in those other aspects of people from dis different disciplines. And I I think that's what makes us really strong. Well, we appreciate the plug for Out of the Blue and Dr. Gamble was a fantastic interview. I love the name positive aging and, I, and I, uh, I'm interpreting uh, that you're hoping to do through this a forward thinking, forward projecting type of studies. Am I accurate on that? Is, was that a deliberate choice on, on the words positive aging? It was. I think it's easy to focus on what people might perceive as, you know, inevitable chronic illnesses and the things that come with that and that that just all must be a negative thing. I mean, there are people who do age without disease. That is unusual. Um, but the reality is, how can, you, how can you be on that continuum of health and wellness to have the best quality of life for you, regardless of what your physical or mental condition is? And I think we're also thinking about this from the biopsychosocial perspective, when what that means is the wholeness of the individual, mm -hmm. and not just whatever their disease state may or may not be, or what their cognitive status may or may not be, mm -hmm. um, but seeing people as they are as a whole, and helping them age in a way that respects who they are, so that they can be you know, living the quality of life that they want in their days. And Ron, I, I assume that also carries forward in what you're teaching in, in, in the minor and the graduate concentration as well, not just focusing on the things that could go wrong, but the things that can go right. We certainly are. Many of our, several of our students recently have been involved in, in, in doing some research in the community with some of the, the local uh, agencies to, to, to uh, you know, develop some outcomes that, that show that we are improving the quality of life of older people and that our programs are having a, an impact and I think that's what we're trying to do is trying to help people cope trying to you know improve that quality of life and getting our students involved in this process is I think kind of a key key point here the helping us move forward in, the, in this process and getting them involved in the aging network and taking their place in the in the community and working in the future. Well Ron, Deborah, thank you for joining us on Out of the Blue. This is fascinating research and great service to the community. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. Your MTSU Alumni Association has a goal of placing this pin on the lapel of all those who call this campus theirs. Let's pass that tradition on. Let's pass it on. Don't underestimate me. Don't count me out. Don't limit my potential. Don't block my runway. We are Middle Tennessee State University. I exceed expectations. I work harder than the rest. I set the tone. I still serve with honor. I go the distance. I am True Blue. I am True Blue. As a member of this diverse community, I am a valuable contributor to its progress and success. I am engaged in the life of this community. I'm a recipient 
and a giver. I'm a listener and a speaker. I am honest in word and deed. I am committed to reason, not violence. I am a learner. Now and forever. I am a Blue Raider. I am a Blue Raider. I'm a Blue Raider. True Blue. Pass the tradition on. Pass the tradition on. want the advantages of a major university with the Ivy League experience of an honors college? What you're looking for is right in front of you. Middle Tennessee State University's beautiful campus is home to over 140 majors taught in state-of-the-art facilities. Our undergraduates get hands-on experience working alongside a highly respected and caring faculty. Take a closer look. Become True Blue. Don't underestimate me. Don't count me out. Don't limit my potential. Don't block my runway. We are Middle Tennessee State University. I exceed expectations. I work harder than the rest. I set the tone. I still serve with honor. I go the distance. I am True Blue. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. I'm Andrew Ottman. The Middle Tennessee Tech Research Program was established in 2018 with the goal of providing industry, economic development, and academic audiences with data on the current state of local technology and the workforce. It is a partnership between the MTSU Department of Information Systems and Analytics and the Greater Nashville Technology Council. Here to tell us about all this is Amy Harris, a professor from the Jones College of Business. Welcome to Out of the Blue. Thank you, glad to be here. So this is a great new program and a big effort that we're trying to accomplish here. Walk me through why we began this in the first place and what you're hoping to achieve. To begin with, I've always been interested in IT workforce development. You know, I teach in that area, um, consider myself to be a data analytics practitioner. So uh, lots of personal motivations. And then as I began to engage with the tech community in Middle Tennessee, uh, there were a number of events I was attending where you would hear stats thrown out about the number of open jobs. And you know, at any point in time, there are 2,000 open jobs. Um, and being analytically oriented, I always <laughs> had questions about that. What was the data source? What were those jobs? What was actually being counted? You know, what did that look like? And as I started asking follow-up questions on that, I found out that we were relying on data from outside sources um, and that there wasn't any real source of information to give us real-time answers to the questions on the current state of the IT workforce in Middle Tennessee. And I just decided I wanted to do something about that. And hence, Middle Tennessee Tech was born last year. It's incredibly helpful. I realize and I understand the problem that you're describing. A lot of these stats would come from national perspectives, nationwide mm -hmm. perspectives. You wanted to basically say, what are the needs of the local companies here? What are they looking to hire for? And I guess the people who you hope will use that data will not only be academic institutions and hiring firms, but maybe our students and prospective students, hey, I'm thinking about this as a major and maybe this is something I should pursue, right? Absolutely. Um, one of the coolest outcomes of the healthcare report that was released a couple of months back was that a professor whom I've never met across campus sent me an email and said, thank you, my son is researching tech careers and this was tremendously helpful. 
I know back in April, I've got a, a copy of a story that we did on mtsunews.com. The headline was that mid-state healthcare tech jobs are in demand and growing steadily. And as a matter of fact, one of the things they said is that app developers are the most in-demand tech jobs in Middle Tennessee's healthcare industry. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a big, that's a big headline to come out of this. And that's what you're hoping to telegraph to all these communities, that this is, there's a demand here, and are we meeting that demand? Absolutely. Just being able to understand the extent of the demand, be able to cross-reference that with the data that we're getting on graduation rates, the information that we're getting from companies who are coming here, and we're trying to make the case for why they should relocate to Middle Tennessee. Part of making that case is proving that we do indeed have a current workforce that can help them staff immediately, but also that we've got folks in the pipeline that will, so that we'll be able to sustain that over the long term. One of the things that I feel makes this program truly unique is that when we we got started, we sat down and said, okay, what is our definition of the local tech workforce? Because there are a lot of stereotypes around tech jobs. And I mean, software development is a great example. Most of the time, if, if you're talking to someone who doesn't work in this field, when you talk about tech jobs, the mind immediately goes to a programmer sitting at a desk banging out code all day. And there are absolutely people who show up and that is their job and they love it and that's their passion, but tech is a really big tent. And I don't think we as a tech community do a really great job of communicating that, that there are a wide variety of jobs for all sorts of different personalities and skill sets under that tent. And so when we sat down and looked and said, okay, what occupations are we going to use to define tech for us? We didn't just go to that standard list of tech occupations that you're going to get from national reports. We used our own observations and our own data points that we have from this community to say, we want to identify those occupations, not just that encompass traditional tech, but that also are at the intersection of mathematics and business, data analytics, data science, mm -hmm. um, you know, those sorts of occupations that by most people's rule of thumb, when you work in the field, you would say are tech jobs or at least tech adjacent jobs. And they're all part of the tech ecosystem. And that's one thing I think we've done a really good job of in this program is is expanding that definition and capturing data beyond just that limited subset of occupations. I love the fact that you're talking about not only are you sharing data, you're almost pointing out things that maybe we're not thinking about, using the data to make us think about those things. And a lot of this is opportunity driven, right? In other words, this is what the market is telling us, maybe you need to take a closer look at this. Yes, absolutely. It's a combination of what the market is, is steering us toward and also where there are already really strong communities that exist in Middle Tennessee. And so when you've got such local commitment and buy-in and such a groundswell of commitment to those subspecialties, it just makes sense that those are the places where we need to look with this type of research. How did you find this as something that you wanted to study? And what about this excites you from, from a, a member of our faculty diving deep into this? I mean, you've got such incredible passion for this topic. How did, you, how did that get ignited in you? 
I mean, it's my general inclination to be interested in numbers and to want to understand more. And I mean, this is the world I live in every day here teaching classes. We're producing students to go out into this workforce. And um, I do a lot of community service in the tech community. And so I know a lot of folks there through Women in Technology Tennessee, through the Nashville Technology Council, through the Analytics Summit. It's just a great people and a great community. And when you enjoy being around people and you enjoy what you do, then and natural curiosity to just want to know more about it kicked Absolutely. in for me. So if you were advising a student that shared your passion for these types of uh, studies and pursuits, what would you advise him or her to study uh, to, to learn about this? Based off of the findings of the research thus far, I would say practically speaking for career preparation, no matter what direction you're planning to go in in the tech space, you need to be great at database. And one thing that we can say with great pride here is that we have one of the best database professors in my colleague Steve Morris on faculty in the Department of Information Systems and Analytics. Literally wrote the textbook along with Carlos Cornell um, that they used to teach the class and, and he teaches our students how to swim in the deep end and SQL was the number one skill um, for tech overall that was reported in the 2018 report. It also um, was the top skill when, when we took the deep dive into healthcare. And it's the number two skill in the information security space. Wow. But that's, that's one of the major benefits of this data to any academic institution is it allows you to look at what's actually you're observing in the data and then be able to think about the questions of how does this, how should this inform our degree programs? We've got the data science program that is long launching, I believe, fall 2020. Mm -hmm. Not exactly mm -hmm. sure on the timeline, but I know we're, we're launching that program. And even for existing programs like computer science, information systems and analytics, it gives us the ability to look at what we're doing and see if we're doing the right things from a curriculum perspective, where it is that we're doing things right, where it is that we need to make tweaks, and really be able to make data-informed decisions. I mean, that's what analytics is about. Well, Professor, this is all fabulous stuff, and we appreciate you being on Out of the Blue and sharing with us. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. We'll be right back. Your MTSU Alumni Association has a goal of placing this pin on the lapel of all those who call this campus theirs. Let's pass that tradition on. Let's pass it on. Don't underestimate me. Don't count me out. Don't limit my potential. Don't block my runway. We are Middle Tennessee State University. I exceed expectations. I work harder than the rest. I set the tone. I still serve with honor. I go the distance. I am True Blue. I am True Blue. As a member of this diverse community, I am a valuable contributor to its progress and success. I am engaged in the life of this community. I'm a recipient and a giver. I'm a listener and a speaker. I am honest in word and deed. I am committed to reason, not violence. I am a learner. Now and forever. I am a Blue Raider. I am a Blue Raider. I'm a Blue Raider. True Blue. Pass the tradition on. Pass the tradition on. Pass it on! Do you want the advantages of a major university with the Ivy League experience of an honors college? 
What you're looking for is right in front of you. Middle Tennessee State University's beautiful campus is home to over 140 majors taught in state-of-the-art facilities. Our undergraduates get hands-on experience, working alongside a highly respected and caring faculty. Take a closer look. Become True Blue. Don't underestimate me. Don't count me out. Don't limit my potential. Don't block my runway. We are Middle Tennessee State University. I exceed expectations. I work harder than the rest. I set the tone. I still serve with honor. I go the distance. I am True Blue. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. I'm Andrew Oppmann. Country music is commonly associated with political and social conservatism. And while conservatives have embraced this genre over the years, country performers have long expressed bold and progressive positions on a variety of public issues. Here to tell us about his research and his study of all of this is Professor Mark Allen Jackson from the College of Liberal Arts. Welcome to our program, Professor. Well, thank you for having me. So we'll talk about the book that you've helped compiled from a lot of great sources in a bit, but let's talk about the topic itself. How did you find it interesting and how have you helped shape some discussions with the essays that you've assembled in this, this work? Well, uh, I grew up in rural Arkansas and so I grew up listening to country music and it was just a part of my life. As I got older and kind of into my teenage years, I didn't feel like it represented me very well, and so I kind of moved away from it. I almost had my own prejudice against it. I kind of thought maybe it didn't represent my full kind of social political leanings, and I was kind of more likely to listen to like new wave and punk and rock and something else, something I thought that had an edge and was rebellious mm -hmm. and, and had a fight to it that I didn't think country had. But I think that's because I let a prejudice about country infect my thinking about it. As I got older, I started rethinking country again. And I kind of came through it through Woody Guthrie. I wrote a book on Woody Guthrie. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes Woody Guthrie is presented as a folk artist. And so there's this lineage, Woody Guthrie to Dylan, to Springsteen, to Annie DeFranco, to any number of performers. And that's seen as kind of folk as protest. Woody Guthrie is, in essence, a country performer. And when you listen to Woody Guthrie, he sounds country, but he'd been placed in a different category later on because, again, I think that there was an idea of country and he didn't easily fit into it, even though a number of people have said Woody Guthrie is country before I have. I don't want to take credit for that. I think also that when you go back and listen to the music, like Chris Christopherson said, if it sounds country, it is country, and Woody Guthrie <laughs> sounds country. And so I started thinking, you know, I had loved country as a child. I had moved away from it kind of as, as, a, as kind of a teen. And then as a, a, still kind of a young man, I started rethinking what country music was. And so I had kind of thought about the genesis of this book for a long time before it kind of came into play. And I reached out to a bunch of other people who had also been wanting to discuss country and what it means beyond just a conservative vehicle or one that just uh, prioritizes uh, rural expression or just Southern expression who kind of saw that there was a bigger audience for country and that it also had kind of a greater voice than just kind of a conservative one. Probably a good time for me to mention the book, The Honky Tonk on the Left. And as, you just, as we described, it is a collection of essays from a variety of sources. Talk about the range of, uh, of opinions that I'll find in this book. 
Well, you'll see people talking about um, kind of economic underpinnings of country. I think oftentimes that idea of the working class man and woman has always been there. You'll see a number of uh, writers talking about gender representation there. My chapter's on Loretta Lynn and uh, working class feminism. I think you've got a range here of kind of topics and also time periods mm -hmm. running from kind of the late 1920s up into the 2000s. So it takes on about a full decade, uh, sorry, a full century of commentary. Before the program, we were talking about this a bit. Uh, it's, it's not accurate nor uh, fair to categorize country music as being uh, a product of one region. We're in Music City, Nashville. Yeah. Uh, obviously, so much country music emanating here, but country music is not just Nashville. It is a broader geographic, and you said even beyond the borders of this country, perhaps, right? So oh, well, well the, Keith Urban, right? I mean, he, here's somebody, right. not from this country, but he's country yeah. at the same time. So country is a sound. It's an attitude, I think. It's an appreciation for the people who've made it before. It's a number of things. It's not just one thing. And so it can't just be located in one place because it's not made of just one uh, element. It's, it's made up of another. And it, people from all over the world appreciate country and people from all over the nation. I will say, in kind of thinking about the book, and, and in particular looking at other commentators in it, in my introduction, I was trying to, set, trying to make sense of it as a whole and trying to lay out that kind of broad expanse of all the people in here because they come from different uh, backgrounds academically. They take on different kinds of singers and different eras. But one thing I noticed a lot is that sometimes the industry is really what's conservative. I think some of that's for fear of like losing money, conservative. And so they don't necessarily want to offend too many people. But the performers oftentimes create work that the industry doesn't really like. Um, Loretta Lynn, she wrote mm -hmm. The Pill, took her several years to kind of convince her record company to let it go through. Merle Haggard did a song, uh, Irma Jackson, about um, kind of interracial relationship. It took him several years to kind of convince the record company to let that, those two examples that just mm -hmm. come to mind. But the audience loved both of those songs. And so sometimes it's that kind of middleman, the industry, I think, because they're interested in the dollar. They're interested in maybe trying to sell a brand. And maybe part of that brand is that country is Christian, rural, conservative in some sense. Country takes on a lot of subjects, but we wouldn't necessarily want to throw them in kind of the political basket. We could maybe, but we don't necessarily kind of have to. They're more about entertainment. Uh, the artists who make them, I don't think necessarily are ideologues that they come out and they're like, I'm gonna offer up a political perspective as a whole. Instead, they're people and they take up whatever issues kind of catch their attention in a particular moment. To set up countries being kind of monolithic, only one thing is, is completely unf unfair, even though I understand there's definitely a country vein that's conservative. Sure. But there's, as we're talking about here, it's a whole book about, there's also a vein in there that's very progressive. Sure, and, and one of the things that uh, came to mind was that artists often are just trying to tell stories. They're yeah. storytellers, and sometimes the artists have to feel confident enough mm -hmm. to tell those different stories, right? And have that, you said, kind of breaking out of the industry mold to feel like that they can tell stories that maybe aren't just one thing or another. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. And Merle Haggard, though, he's 
I think more closely associated with the kind of Bakersfield sound, he's still kind of in that outlaw country camp mm -hmm. at the same time, right? So, and again, he doesn't, we don't have to fit him in any one little kind of hunk of country. He can do whatever he wants, but he was somebody who wasn't really overly interested in being any one thing. I don't see somebody who's a contradiction. I see the multiplicity of a human being over time, mm -hmm. yeah. So when we say country music, it's the whole country, not just yeah. one part of the country. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the book is The Hunky Tonk on the Left. It is a wonderful compilation of, of different essays and thoughts, including some great voices from MTSU in here as well. Professor Mark Allen Jackson, thank you for joining us on Out of the Blue. Well, thank you so much for having me. I do appreciate it. And this does wrap up another edition of Out of the Blue. You can find more videos and stories about the campus 24 hours a day by going to our website, mtsunews.com. And we invite you to follow MTSU on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for additional special content. I'm Andrew Oppman, and I hope you will always remain true blue. Out of the Blue is broadcast on Murfreesboro Cable Channel 9, Monday through Sunday, 7 a.m. and 7.30 p.m. News Channel 5 Plus and MTSU student station, MT10. It's also available on other cable outlets in Middle Tennessee, so check your local listings. Out of the Blue is a production of MTSU's Division of Marketing and Communications and MTSU Audiovisual Services in the College of Education. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.